Welcome to The Workbench, where each week we take the time and make the space to build and create in our lives. I'm your host, Christina Aw, and I'm a writer, coach, and human resources professional with a deep interest in helping you find clarity, overcome obstacles, plan, and take action on your big dreams and goals. By doing this and sharing the journey, we can build and create, and we can inspire others to do the same. So let's get to it. So today's guest is Jeff Fliegler, owner of The Point Solutions, which is a digital marketing company that helps mid-sized businesses and organizations with media, web design, strategy, and digital advertising. Jeff was a chef for 16 years and lived and worked all over the world. In 2012, he switched careers due to a back injury. After a short time working in the financial services industry, he created The Point Solutions. He's also produced a successful podcast, won a Golden Foodie for Best Food Influencer in Orange County, California, and produced a feature documentary at the Newport Beach Film Festival. He and his family currently live in Orange County. He's the proud dad to two young sons, and he and his wife Carly love to get out to the beaches and play in their spare time. The latest project he's been working on is called The Everything Page a one-page web page builder that simplifies the process of website design and converts more leads. Jeff, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I love that we are doing this out of our bedrooms. I think it's so awesome. I know, right? <laughs> Talk, yeah. I love bootstrapping. I think it's, I think it's badass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems like things are going well for you guys. It seems that you and Carly both have a lot of good stuff going on and... You know, oh, and happy birthday to the little one. That was this week, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, they're both fall birthdays, so that was, that was kind of fun. So yeah, we asked him what he wanted to do. He's like, I just want to hang out with my friends. So we just, you know, he just wanted to skateboard. Like he's super into skateboarding now, which I'm super happy about. Actually, That's so cool. It's pretty fun. Um, so him and his friend had like a little skateboard party with like him and a few friends in the neighborhood. So it was super easy too. So that was fun. It's kind of great not having to do big production stuff anymore. Uh, I'm I'm totally loving it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that 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 page is turned for sure. So. Yeah, I was commuting um, like two and a half hours a day because I was driving from mm-hmm. Vista to Old Town, and mm-hmm. um, I didn't realize how much of a difference it would be when I would stop commuting. So it's been really life changing for me. For us, it's more been just fighting with the kids being home a lot and figuring out how to do them we used to have a ton of help from from my parents and and my in-laws and now they've kind of pulled back a little bit because you know they're worried they're kind of in that at-risk area yeah um so yeah it's just juggling that has been it's been difficult i'm used to kind of working from home so that hasn't messed up things too much but uh, are you finding that you're um you're attention is more divided though now that the kids are home and you know are you and Carly kind of tag teaming that or how does that work well luckily they're still going to school a few hours a day oh good they go to school like two or three hours a day and then they get home and we're really happy we have they have this little like kind of neighborhood gang that they hang out with I shouldn't say gang I mean not in a good gang connotation yeah 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 crew is a better word sure um (laughs) and they they just go off from about two o'clock till you know it gets dark and they go skateboard and play around (laughs) and hang out and every once in a while one of them will come home crying with a skinned up knee or something but um 
so we've been we've been pretty lucky that we kind of have that little little group of friends that we let them play with but yeah man it's it's hard having kids at home and working there's been numerous calls or numerous things where you're on the phone and all of a sudden your kid pops up and like hey dad <laughs> i think that's kind of a normal now though and people are a little bit more used to it so it's not as frowned upon as it was before this all started you know I think it's humanized us a lot with just realizing that we, we are whole people in the workplace and we have family things that we, we have to attend to and yeah. it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't have to be embarrassing. It shouldn't be shameful. It's just, that's life. 100%. And, um, and yeah. uh, you know, I've been saying this forever and some of my friends used to think I was crazy, but I think they're starting to, when you work from home, you can be so much more productive, I feel like. There's been like Stanford, uh, Stanford articles that came out that said this too, but like, it's just, I mean, I get so much more done in a day, I think, because I don't have those office distractions, you know, or I don't have people coming up and, and like, not a lot of useless meetings, you know? So I don't know. I, I, I've always thought working from home, you can be more productive and you can also like, take that half an hour to do something if you need to and you can balance it out with working a half an hour here or there. The only problem I find is like, I, I don't turn off. Mm, yeah. Because your, your work life and your home life becomes one thing. So like, and especially with your phone nowadays where you can always see emails and stuff like that. I mean, it's really hard to turn off. And that, yeah. that's, the only, that's the only disadvantage I find. That's do you thing. do, so what do you do about that? Do you have anything that you do to kind of mitigate that or are you still sorting that out? Cause that's. No, I'm, I've never been good at that. Like yeah. I'm, I'm very much of like when, when there's work, there's work. And especially in what I do, like I've, I've never been able to figure out how to have like just a steady flow of work. <laughs> it's always either like I'm chasing the bear or the bear's chasing me, you know? Right. <laughs> and when I'm chasing the bear, I got to, I got to go find something and I got to push really hard. And then when I finally get all that stuff, then I have all this work and I have to, you know, get all the work out fast enough to get paid to go to the next thing. So, I, you know, I, I, I've always tried to, I've, Actually, this year I've invested some money into um, a few courses and actually a private coach to try and help um, create more of a consistent like kind of sales funnel that's mm -hmm. somewhat automated. And so far, I haven't been super lucky with it, but um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's still working. I'm always looking for somebody to partner with. You know, right. that could be my kind of sales guy and front facing kind of customer service person and just have that because it's it's a hard it's hard to manage both the production stuff of what I'm doing and the sales and customer service. And uh, I mean, Carly's in like, big time customer service and uh, I'll show her an email I wrote and she just, she flips. She's like, you can't send that to a client, you know, like <laughs> that doesn't have a good tone and I don't know. So, I mean, I, I try to be as friendly as possible and I think I'm much better on the phone, but you know, sometimes on an email, your tone and stuff can be misconstrued. So it can be easily. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is, this is kind of a good jumping in point to, to our conversation, our more official conversation, because sure. I think one of the things that I'm struggling with in building this workbench that I'm doing is I don't have assistance and I, I'm not at a place where I can invest in that yet. Sure. 
And, and so there's people, and, and so if that's true for me and for you, it's true for a lot of people who are building something or starting a small business. And I think that's just such a, like, at what point do you start, you know, diverting some of your other family finances into that or, or figuring out how to have someone else invest in you somehow. And so that's a real challenge. And then I think you're right. Like you're really good on the phone perhaps and, and maybe more impatient with an email. So, so, so someone could be hit wrong by that, which is, could be such a hit to what you're trying to build. It's just, it's just really, uh, that's kind of just this circle that is hard to break the cycle of, I think. I, I mean, I can't agree with you more. I mean, I also, sometimes it's hard to add your voice into an email without sounding too casual where you aren't like being almost like you want to sound professional and, and, but like if you add your voice to that and if I had a dude in the email or a, Hey man, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Like you know, like, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know which is the better road to take to make it more business-like and professional all the time or try to add a little bit more voice into your writing, even like conversational writing as far as like email correspondence to, I, I don't always know which is best. And I think it depends on who you're talking to, but it, um, yeah, it goes back to audience, right? Like some people might want that. Other people don't. It's hard. Yeah. You don't know until you fully test so, it a little bit and and so maybe there's a blend there for you who does better kind of in person or on phone phone um, maybe that's the route you take at first I think if you can pick up the phone and talk to somebody or meet in person that's always best just because you don't miss out on that tone or that because you see the body language right or you, you hear in the tones of their voice of how it's so going. important yeah. people think it's not you know we talk about you know virtual work you know we're all doing it now and Zoom is great or, or Teams is great because you can, like, we we can see each other right now and read each other yeah. a little bit, but it's still not the same as being in person. Yeah. And, and I know that we can live without it, but I think we're better with it. Yeah. There's still, you still need some forms of human, con- like, human connection, right? Like, yeah. And, and you just can't get it fully with Zoom um, or any of this stuff. It is great. It's way better than just being on the phone. But it's just, it's, yeah, there's just something... I mean, I think people yearn for that, you know, that's part of being human. We're, we're, um, I don't know, we're social creatures, right? Yeah, and we need it. Yeah, we, we rely it. on it. So. Even the most introverted people, I think, need at least one or two people that they can feel comfortable with. Connected. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, connected. Yeah, so you and I met through um, my husband, Tim. You guys worked together for a while um, back in 2011, 2012, I think. Yeah, around there, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So Google, it was the coolest thing, actually. It was, uh, I mean, we got to cook all sorts of really fun menus and do um, a lot of fun, creative stuff with food. And um, Chef Tim was, he was definitely a mentor for me. He was a great, great guy to work for. We had a really fun time for, we had a good three three and a half years stand, I think there. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was a great time. I really enjoyed it. And I still, I still look up to him in many ways. Um, he taught me so much, you know, about being a chef, but also about being a better person and how to handle things a little better. And, um, people that aren't in, that don't come from the restaurant industry, I think oftentimes underestimate how much you need to know and to be able to handle to work successfully in a kitchen. I would and agree. I, 
Yeah, right? Because you have to not only have the skills to be able to cook, but you have to manage people. And you have to, as a chef and, and working in a kitchen, you just have to have so many, such a broad skill set, you know? Um, you have to be able to manage people. You have to be able to balance your your, your checkbook as far as the, the kitchen revenue versus food costs and everything in that, that scheme of things, which isn't, it's very difficult too because, you know, food's expensive and you want to keep your prices down and be competitive. So it's, it's, there's not a lot of profit margin there either. Um, and then um, you just have to be so efficient with your time too. And I, I just think when, when I stopped cooking and went into the business world, I was really shocked when I would tell people I was a chef, how little they respected that as a career actually. Yeah. A lot of them. I found, you know, I'm like, they're, they're, you have to be so efficient and, and just, you have to work so hard to be good in, in, in a real professional kitchen. Um, and these people, a lot of these people just thought it was like the help or a second rate career or something like that. And, oh man, I wanted to pick them up and shake them in some of these interviews or talk to these people, you know, it was super frustrating. But um, that, Starting out in that business, I mean, that was that was the best thing I could have done for myself. I mean, I learned how to organize and be really efficient, how to really work hard. Move um, quick, too. 100%. And, and that was just that was just a great, great time. I'm glad I did it. I'm actually glad I'm not doing it anymore yeah. just because it is so brutal, you know. But um, I definitely look back. Um, very fondly on those days and I appreciate all the lessons I've learned. Yeah, I feel the same way and it was funny. I was in um went to Chef Toys a couple weeks ago <laughs> yeah. down here. Which like I shouldn't do because I could spend all of our money there and I walked <laughs> in and I was like, I don't really need stand up mixer for the bread that I bake. I really don't. My KitchenAid will do just fine. Yeah. But I wanted it. You know, I wanted all the <laughs> I wanted the stuff, you know, because I don't Always. know. There's something about the work that you do in a kitchen that just sticks with you. And I think you're right. I think what what we learn in the business is just sets you up for working well in so many other places from a flexibility standpoint, from a working under pressure standpoint, from you know, dealing with, you know, a lot of personalities um, in that pressure cooker environment. And so I think you're right. People don't, people don't, who don't do it, don't get it. thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so you had an injury and then had to switch careers and, and, you know, it's been a bit of a road for you. So tell me a little bit more about your evolution. You know, you'd worked in yeah, financial sure. services for a bit before starting your own company. So Tell, so tell me more about when that. I, when I first hurt my back um, and my doctor, I had a pretty pretty extensive back surgery. My doctor said, you probably aren't ever going to be able to cook professionally again. And it was the same time my first son was being born. And I mean, I just looked at so many of the chefs that I worked for and, you know, they've been, and not all of them, but a lot of them were like divorced four times or um, there's a lot of drinking involved in being a chef in a lot of ways. So they, they, you know, they over, they drank a ton and I just looked and I saw my life becoming that. And I'm like, I don't even want to try to do this, especially if I'm going to be in pain the whole time. Um, it's a good time to switch. And I, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I read something about passive income <laughs> somewhere in a book 
And I'm like, oh, this, this sounds fabulous. Because when you work as a chef, like you earn every penny you make, you know? <laughs> like you can earn money. Time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so like, I'm like, you can earn money on the couch. Like, I want that, you know? I'm not realizing the other, the, the other talents you needed to do that. So, um, yeah, I worked in the financial services industry for about two years. And it was right about that time my father sold his business and he wasn't quite ready to retire. So we came up with this great idea that he would do marketing because he was a computer and software designer. And I could then do um, like health insurance and 401k plans for companies. And we could give them the marketing for almost free because we'd make money on the other stuff. And great idea, I thought. So, And we went in. And we approached a few companies that we had, you know, leads with, and they all just wanted the marketing part of it. They either weren't big enough or already had their stuff, you know, handled and they didn't want to switch over. And we got a few clients right off the bat. And my dad looked at me, he's like, I don't want to work this hard. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm halfway out. I'm like one foot out the door, right? Like I don't mind working a little bit, but this is too much. So I had to learn how to, um, make websites pretty quick, which wasn't too bad. I've already was doing a little bit of that stuff and growing up in a, um, a family where your dad's a software engineer, you, you, you kind of learn, it's almost like growing up with musicians, right? Yeah. Or you, you kind of know how to play a little bit or, so that wasn't too bad. Um, but I'm pretty much self-taught there. And then, um, one of our clients asked to start, um, asked if we could do some video. And we had an old Nikon camera and we bought a little lapel mic from Amazon and we started doing these kind of talking head videos and this was like 2012 or 13 and, you know, people weren't really posting stuff like that on, on social media. And I learned really quickly, almost by accident, that that was really, really effective. <laughs> like that, that, you know, people saw that and they, they just you know, we were getting tons of views and back then you could put 10 or $20 behind a Facebook post and it would hit like 10,000 people. It was crazy. And, um, I didn't really have a marketing background, so I didn't really understand how powerful that was. In hindsight, I probably should have put more money behind some of this to try and grow it. But, um, I just, you know, I, I really enjoyed doing this. It was really fun. It was really fun to hear people's stories and to kind of edit them out and figure out how that worked. And that, that just started a pretty decent business for me that's been on the steady uptick for the last few years. And we do um, a lot of media as far as um, video. We've um, had a podcast for a while with a partner that was really fun um, that, we, we did some good stuff with. Um, we've done a documentary film with a chef named Chef Pascal Allhots, who's a big, um, big famous chef here in Orange County um, that went to the Newport Beach Film Festival, which was super fun and exciting. Amazing. Yeah, you got to meet all these like cool filmmakers and stuff like that. Um, How'd you get into that? I mean, was it just kind of by accident by picking up that old camera and, and just playing around or? Pretty much. Yeah. I was just started doing talking head videos. And at the time I was doing this for other businesses, but I've always had this concept or this always idea where like, I'm, I always have one project that I want to work on and I treat it as a client. Right. So I put as much 
into it as I would a, a paying client. And, but that's mine. That's like the one thing I own in Love hopes that. that one day that that will just take over and I won't have to do the client type work, you know? Um, and that's changed. Like I've put different things out there and so far none of them have completely exploded. Um, the one where we did the documentary with was a food blog called Grub Tribe. And we interviewed a bunch of local chefs. We actually interviewed Tim. He was That's right. I remember Tim. that. Yeah, he was, one yeah. Of, he was one of the first interviews because I reached out to a lot of the guys I used to work with at first. And, um, yeah, that's, we, we got a ton of um, notoriety and um, excitement from that. And basically, we just put together two or three-minute um, interviews with chefs in Orange County and a few food, you know, a few um, – cooking demos, but mostly just interviews about them talking about where they came from and great stories, like great kitchen stories, almost like a real raw kitchen confidential, <laughs> and, you know, and it, it was, it was kind of a hit for a little bit, but we just never figured out how to fully monetize it. Um, but you know, it, it was fine. It, it, I learned a ton from it. Um, I, I, because of that, I've, I've been able to expand my business more just because of the notoriety that came from that. And yeah, we got to meet um, some just great, great people. And being in a film festival, is just, it's a really fun week. Must <laughs> like, have been so fun. And now it's part of your body of work, too. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of, you know, I meet a lot of people that have written a book here and there. And not a lot, but a few, you know, or, or at least guides. Or have done, but I, I don't meet a lot of people that say like, "Oh, I made a movie," <laughs> you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you know what's crazy too? A lot of people think when you make a movie, you need a big film crew and all that stuff. We had two digital cameras that cost about four hundred dollars each, a few lapel mics, and some tripods, and that's all we did. Like it wasn't a big production, and I mean, it wasn't it wasn't filmed. 100% like when I watch it now, I, 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 I kind of wince and go, oh man, I wish I edited it there differently, you know, yeah. knowing what to do now. But at the same time, like, I think it goes to show if you have a good story and just some good passion behind a project or something like that, like you can make it happen. Like don't, don't quit because you think you can't, you know? Like, no, and I love that and want to just call that out because I think one of the things that I've struggled with and I think a lot of people struggle with in starting something on the side that they are interested in is they think they need all this gear or equipment or know-how, but it's not like that. You you start a podcast with your iPhone and some crappy, you know, recording equipment and you build up to what you want, but, but you don't need a ton of stuff to, to do it. They make it so easy now just to get started, you know? Right. And that's the biggest decision. It's to get started and then to stay consistent. Those yeah. are the two biggest hurdles you need to get over. Um, and, you know, I work with a lot of people doing their social media campaigns and things like that. And some people just struggle wanting to be on camera, you know? Um, and I, I get it. Like, um I, I like to be behind the camera way more than in front of it for sure. Um, but I mean, if you, if, if that's not your thing, start, start writing maybe, or start doing something like a podcast and there's apps now, there's an app called anchor. That's really good. If you want to start a podcast where it's kind of a free podcast app, it's awesome. Cool. 
Um, so there's just tons of resources out there for people. And I don't know, just it's, it, I know it's hard to let go of fear, but you got any way you can, but you got to figure out a way just to, just to start, you know? And the other thing I feel like people don't think what they do is interesting or what they do has value in the world. But I tell you, if you can, if you can make one person's life better, it's worth it's worth trying at least, you know? That's what I think. Person, mm-hmm. Right? Because if one person listens to even this conversation and, and gets something from it or gets inspired by it or goes and starts, you know, doing like a little anchor podcast just to get started, I'm, I'm really happy, you know? Like that made my day. Cause I feel the same way. Yeah, I really do. And I think the other thing I want to call out here too is, you know, we have these fears but when you step into your discomfort and sit with it or, or let it be part of who you are, it gets easier. It really does. You know, I, I was so nervous about talking on the on my own podcast because I didn't know if I, you know, all of the things you just said. And, and there were times when I wanted to take some of my episodes down because I didn't think I did them well enough, but that's like, you have to push through that. That's, that's just boundary pushing normal discomfort that we like to kind of run away from. Yeah. I mean, like the Beatles didn't get to be the Beatles on day one either, you know, like, cause right. if you don't start, well, you don't realize what I don't think. And I, I, I still have problems with this sometimes. Like you don't realize that in five years, if you didn't start, <laughs> you can never get to that <laughs> point where you'd be really, really good at something. Right. And everyone's just looking, so many people are looking at their day to day to day to day and don't realize that if you don't start now, you aren't going to be great or where you want to be in that, that like five or 10 year span, you know? So I think a lot of people, I think the saying is like, you never get done what you want to in a day, but it's amazing how much you can get done in 10 years, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. That's cool. Um, You really got to start. That's, that's, that's what I recommend to people and start with like reckless abandon. You know, I think the more I learn about things and how hard some things are, the less I want to start. them. (laughs) I almost want to shut that off and just go and then be like, Oh wow. I can't believe I did all this. You're holding you back. You know, apprehensive. Oh, I, Um, I, I I didn't know what I didn't know. And I'm so glad. (laughs) Totally. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I, don't don't let anyone hold you back. Just just go ahead and do it. You be you and totally. like just wing it for a while. And it's amazing <laughs> how far you can get, you know? I agree. I think that is great advice. And I think I think uh we can't hear it enough. Yeah, so from there we um I have this, you know, I have this pretty nice little digital marketing business and I've really um got to the point now where where I've started to try and find products and work on things that 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 help people simplify what they're trying to do and make it easier because the one thing that I've noticed or that I've been working on and working through with a lot of clients and they have these big big grandiose ideas or big um, exciting you know they have this envision in sight and they want to start with end vision almost. And what else I've also learned is you, you got to get there, right? Yeah. <laughs> and 
we, we just been working a lot in helping people learn how to take that in stride and, and get to where they want to go, but start in different levels, I guess, and start where you need to start and grow from there. And the one great thing about the digital space is you can test a lot of different ideas for a pretty small price, right? Like, um, and sometimes even free, depending on how you're, how well you, you know, you manage your social media and your audience and things like this and say what you want about social media. Like there's, I definitely see there's faults in social media, but if it's still the best way to get things out there to an audience and there's a lot of other digital platforms like medium or Quora or, or even LinkedIn sometimes now, like it's not, it doesn't have the issues that, you know, Facebook is or where I could see people be being turned off by Facebook or Instagram or something. Um, but there, there's stuff out there where you can get, you can start, you know, getting your message out there or, or your, your business out there. And um, there, there's tons of easy way to, to test things and get them started and using pretty small budgets to, to get ideas out there and get going. Because what happened is I've ran into a few people and ideas and projects of my own even where we go all in at first and we build these really big websites and it takes a lot of time and a lot of money and then nobody buys it. <laughs> it's, it's brutal. So um, we're really working with, the, with people on putting out a minimum viable product pretty much. Yeah. How Which do you means- convince people to do that? Because I think if you've got this grand vision, it's it's hard to go back down into the weeds and, and do the step-by-step, day-by-day kind of plotting work. It, it's, it's really hard, actually. And it's hard because a, a lot of people that I work with are, are very good at what they do and have they have their profession or they have you know money to get some of this stuff started. So they don't understand why not to go just full-blown right away. And then they're super disappointed when they do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, now that I've had a few, I can show them like, hey, you know, look what we did here. This totally didn't work. Look what we did with a client over here that started really small and we slowly built, we tested out four or five different messaging sequences, right? We tested out four or five different products to see which one would sell or which one of their offers, depending on if they're a service or a product-based business, would catch. And then once we figured out what that secret recipe was, right, like how to, you know, what ratio of flour and, and butter to put in yeah. with that, right, to make the perfect cookie to catch, then you can scale that out. And that's when, like, the magic happens, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and it, it, it's, it's a hard conversation for a lot of people that don't live in the digital space because they don't understand how this works. But once you have a few, hey, look what we did here. This totally flopped. This was a $20,000 project and they lost $15,000 on this project. Yeah. Look what we did here. This was a $500 project. Now they're making a ton of money out of this because we did this the right way and scaled it in steps. But it kind of goes back to, to what we talked about before. We just got to, you got to start, you got to test a bunch of options and, and figure out what that mixture is of, of, I think the important part is your messaging and what resonates with people, you know, 
and how that how that affects people and the right words to to that they need to hear at that time to make them want to listen or to subscribe or um, to buy, depending on, again, depending on if it's service or product-based business. Um, And then how to build trust within that client or customer. And then from there, like then how to ask for a a sale or to, you know, that, that to become a client. Right. And it, it, it's a little bit like, you know, dating or whatever. You don't just go in and being like, hey, how you doing? Let's go get married. <laughs> you know? You have drinks, then dinner, and yeah. Yeah, you know, so you want to kind of work up to things like that. Um, and and the cool thing, too, is in the digital space, if you do it right, you can, you know, retarget them once or twice with ads or, or, or copy or messaging or videos. I mean, I think videos work best for me and I think most I think videos work best for most people yeah most people are uh, like visual thank you yeah. <laughs> I'll word out for some reason most people are very visual Still pretty early <laughs> yeah right and I think like 85 percent of people are visual learners and I think it's nice when somebody can see your and we're you know see your body language and how you talk and how you speak and see if they're the right fit I still think there's something to that. And there's some great copywriters out there that can write and you can, you can almost hear them talking, you know, and the great writers, you can always do that. Right. You could, in their writing, you can almost envision them telling the story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's very compelling. And even if you didn't know what they look like, you almost knew their facial expressions because they wrote so well. But I mean, that's such a talent. And I think a lot of people don't have that. I mean, I wish I had more of that. But, you know, people, um, so it's funny because I'm biased towards r- reading sure. or listening, not video. I don't, I want to be, I don't like, I mean, we don't even go to the movies because we don't want to sit for two hours, you know? Yeah. And I swear, like, we'll watch an hour show and all of us are up like four or five times of the hour. We're terrible yeah. about that. So for me, video kind of tethers me to sitting or paying attention in a way that I don't love, but I'm kind of the anomaly, I think. And I think a lot of people really prefer the visual aspect of it. And I think we take so much in through our eyes that deepens our, whatever, whatever we're watching, we kind of get more from the video, whether it's learning or understanding what the message is. And so it's just, I just find that interesting that how. You see, I'm definitely more visual. But something has to be, um, who, I, I really have to hear that voice in whatever I'm reading. And it just has to be spot on to hold my attention. Right. Otherwise, I get, I, 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 it's hard for me to, to focus in. And, you know, what, doing a lot of website design or editing, there's always new tricks and technology coming out. And they always give you the how-to. And it's in, you know, written form. And I struggle getting through it, some of that. Uh, technology writing. Um, yeah. But if somebody has a YouTube video showing me how to do it, I can follow along with it perfectly. Yeah. I've learned so much going down those YouTube holes of there's just great information out there. There is. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about creativity. I want to touch base on that because, um, you know, when, I, when I'm, while I'm listening to you talk, everything you're doing has elements of creativity to it. The business side, the marketing side, the podcast, the 
video work that you're doing and and so you you've been you were mentioned to me that you're learning as much as you can about creativity kind of from an intellectual standpoint but you're already doing that so i would love to hear your thoughts about um that whole topic so i think you know whatever profession you're in you owe yourself some time to study on how to make yourself better at that right and again for what i'm doing a lot of it is creative based stuff and um, fascinated on how to become more creative because if you think about it, nobody teaches you that, you know, there's maybe a creative writing class here and there and, and there's definitely art classes, but you always hear people that come in and like writer's block or, and I have days like that too, where like nothing's working and um, I just got to get up and do things. But I, I've really gone down this kind of, path of trying to figure out how to become more creatively productive, I guess, and come up with more ideas uh, at a faster pace to just keep up with things and stay on top of, stay on top of, you know, the game. And some of the things that I've had that really help is, you know, when you're in your own business, you always want to be productive, like constantly producing stuff. And I feel really guilty when I take any time off and I don't, I don't just mean time off like going on vacation. I mean, taking time off to watch a funny video of, you know, cats or whatever that is. You right. Know? <laughs> but I, I feel like um, the, the, you need to allow yourself that you need to forgive yourself a little bit and be nicer to yourself because in those times when you take the times off, is where that's usually when I have the burst of creativity is when I stand up and walk away. And I've been going on walks just around my neighborhood a lot and being okay with that because then I come back and I have 10, 10 new ideas. And then the other thing is when you aren't feeling it, when you aren't feeling creative or when you have those writer's blocks, if you aren't producing then you're just wasting time, right? And I have a family. I have a lot of other things I could be doing always. I knew I've learned to kind of, and I'm still learning, I guess, but just shut that off when things aren't going well and go spend an hour with my boys and then come back to it. And I'm always so much better off doing that. So by, by taking that time off. And the other thing is let your mind wander. I know in your head oftentimes, and it kind of goes back to like, you always have to be productive or you have to stay on task. But um, sometimes it's great to surf around the internet and find some things that you just are inspired by or find a new copywriter, or find a new, um, even, even a new like clothing brand or something or a new art person that you like or just something that get. Get, get those juices flowing again, you know? You know, I watch a lot of, um, of, of speeches on YouTube, like even TED Talks or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of, a lot of, there's just so much content out there. There's a lot of content out there that I feel like you can be inspired by. And the hardest lesson for me is to, to just when things aren't, yeah, when you aren't producing, to let your mind wander and to take those breaks and to, to find those, that inspiration in the world to then you can come back and be way more productive on a consistent level. And a lot of the famous painters 
of our lifetime. They, if you look at them, they've done them in burst. A lot of the great musicians, it's even like a two or three year burst, you know? Um, and then they, everything else is kind of okay. They might have one or two hits after that, but like they have this like time period, like, Oh my goodness. They, so it's, it's trying to stay in those bursts and constantly reinventing yourself. It's, it's really hard, but I think again, if you look at it as a long-term thing instead of a day-to-day thing and not get frustrated because your one day didn't work out, but look at it more of like, Hey, this is my five-year journey. And this is kind of where I'm going. And maybe when I start my five-year journey, I don't end up where I want to in five years. But because I decided to take that path, I got so far along in those five years, you know? I'm in such a better spot. And to learn how to make use of your time, and what I mean by that is, yeah, when you aren't being productive to take a step back and do something else that you love, you know, whether it's go on a walk or play with your kids or because those brain breaks are not only valuable for the people around you that care about you, that want to see you, but they're also great for, for that inspiration, you know, because being creative too, I feel like you're on a a kind of emotional, either high or low all the time. There's not a lot of in the middle. (laughs) You know what I mean? I totally do. You're like, oh my God, everything's working great. Or like, oh, my life's down the tube. And (laughs) I mean, you're on like 10 minute flexes too, right? It's not like, so, so to be able to like, just walk away when you're having one of those down days and have something that brings you back to like normal or at least okay. And yeah. you feel like everything's okay and you can do it again. That that's really important too. I mean, I know these are simple things, but I feel like it took me 10 years to realize how to do this. I agree. I I had a similar journey. Yeah. And to just, to, everyone gets in their head so much, you know, and just to be able to, to, to learn how to turn off that voice or at least shut it up with maybe distractions even if you need yeah. to. Yeah, whatever so, it takes. Yeah, right? Just so you can be so, – because I want to be super productive and I want to constantly be creating cool stuff or even if it's not cool, I want to know that, oh, I want to learn a technique out of it. or I want to just get something. You, you want to know? know, like, and I think too, you want to trust that there's more ideas that are going to come that are going to be good ones. And I think the guilt thing is such a big, like we struggle with that so much just in general. I mean, we're taught from a young age to in school to kind of not be creative. Right. I mean, we have to follow the rules and and if you do it, if you draw outside the lines, you get reprimanded. And so it kind of, and I think day and age, especially with, with technology and everything becoming more and more automated and, um, a lot of, you know, a lot of things becoming commoditized. The, the, the bright futures are for the people that can be, can creatively think and come with creative solutions, whether that be in digital media or even like engineering, right? Like being creative doesn't need to stay into art and, you know, making videos or writing or, or painting. Like it's not people, just in an artistic sense. No, it's a way of thinking, right? Like, I agree. There's always creative solutions and whether that's just a, a creative way to, to talk to somebody differently or to make a better, better, um, better stream of communication or a creative idea to fix a problem, whether that's in mathematics or in, in English or in art, you know? So it, it doesn't, that, that 
teaching that creative thinking is becoming more and more important. And I wish, I wish there was more of it out there, to be honest with you. And I don't know. I just, I, I, I hope that that changes in the next few years. I think it needs to, so we can keep innovating, you know, as people. I agree. I agree. No, I love that you're talking about that. I think it's, I think for people who don't think they're creative, I would ask, and I don't know what you think about this, but they should maybe consider the fact that they are, and, and it just, they, it's just, they haven't classified it as such, you know, it's really easy to, to be creative in little, little ways that add up to a bigger sense of being creative. Again, it just, it doesn't mean, it, creativity doesn't always happen in art, right? It can even happen in like, um, for like a fitness trainer, like a new creative workout that you can do that you've never done before. There's just like so many different ways to use the word creative that isn't necessarily being applied in today's world. Yeah. And just, just to be able to change things up to make sense, to come up with a different solution that may be better is, is a, a way I like to think of it. And, and to be able to stay super productive, it, it's, it's just hard, but you need to be able to, what, when, when you have those bursts, you need to be able to write them down and to take advantage of it. But when you, when you aren't having those bursts and you're at those roadblocks, you need to be okay and taking a step back and, and finding things to get you re-inspired, you know? Yeah. Well, I so. want to hear a little bit more. I mean, this is actually a good kind of segue. I want to hear a little bit more about your new endeavor um, that you're working on right now. So this is something I'm really, really excited about. It's a website builder. It's called the Everything Page. It's at everythingpage.site. And what it does, it's pretty much a hybrid website builder where you give your, you put in your messaging and your content and there's different templates you get to choose from and you get this beautiful one-paged web page that's pretty much does everything a big, huge website build will do. And the benefit is it's the standard ones. It's only $300. The, the wow, bigger one is like $500, but that you get to work with a designer. And the reason why I started doing this is, you know, I've been making websites for all these people for, and all my clients for so long. And a lot of people want these big, huge, elaborate website builds, but then they don't get any conversions or leads or anything out of it. Like your website doesn't do anything for you. It just looks great and it sits there. And um, what I've learned is the simpler you make things and the easier and quicker things people can get information, <coughs> excuse me, from your website, the more apt they are to send you an email or give you a call or put in their information so, you know, you can, you can start that conversation with them. And I've tested this over and over and having a one page kind of scrollable landing page is much, much more effective than these bigger, bigger, huge websites. And also a lot of traffic or web traffic is coming directly from social media or from a different site and also on mobile. So if you think about how you interact with your phone, it's all a, a scrolling motion. And to go to the old website build where you have to click to go to page to page to page and wait for it, you, you, you lose your customers that way. They just don't stay engaged. So basically having just a one page simple scrollable web page again it's just it's so much more effective and um i started 
doing this. It's a new project. It's we've been around for about a month, and um, I have certain templates for it. But if you're in a prof- if you want to check it out, and you're in a profession that's not listed, um, shoot me an email. You can get in touch with me through the website, and um, I'll be more than happy to work with you to come up with like new ideas. Actually, I had a private chef call me the other day and want. He wanted one. So we might have some private chef. That's um, awesome. Pretty soon. So it's pretty cool. You know what I think it does? And I just want to, you know, this, this is a little bit of a pitch to our audience. I mean, I think for, for those of us um, who have started side hustles, this would be a good way to not endure the frustration of trying to build a website yourself, which is something that I've experienced. I think you're right. I think in this age of, a ridiculous amount of information out there. You don't need a multi-page website to get your point across. A one-pager is streamlined yeah. and sufficient and meets the quality that is needed. 1,000%. And I mean, there's, we, I have the data too, like of the, I don't know, 40 or 50 websites I've done in the last few years. And the, the simpler and smaller it is, just the, the more leads and more, more effective it is to actually get something done. And also it's, it's kind of that minimum viable product too, right? Cause when you want to start a business, you don't want to throw thousands and thousands of dollars into starting a business. Um, a lot of people don't have it. And also you, you don't want to waste your money even if you do, right? Like, so this is a great way to kind of test things out to see if, if, if you can get traction and get that first, that first step going. And, and then from there, if, you know, you start to grow and want to have 20 or 30 offers or whatever that looks like, or 30 products that then you can expand. Right. But then at least you have the budget and you know, you already have a viable product. So this is a great way to, to test, to get started. And for some people it's all they'll ever need. And it, it's, it will be way more effective than, than again, like a seven or eight or 40 page website that has way too much information that barely anybody reads anyway yeah yeah Uh, it sounds like it it streams the process on both ends right from the consumer standpoint but also from the copy kind of creating um content standpoint it will save you time and money and i created a special offer for anybody listening to this podcast too so if they want to go through and get an everything page it's at it's everythingpage.site and um, you can choose your template and go through the whole process. But if you put in Workbench in the coupon code, you'll get 20% off the, awesome. the website. Yeah, so, so I'll include all of that information in the show notes. So if anybody out there is looking to tr- test this out, go to, to give the website again. It's everything page and it's dot site. Got it. So um, yeah. I'm pretty excited about it, actually. I think this could be a great way to help people getting started, which is a space that I just, I love. I just have a lot of respect and admiration of people that go off on their own or are trying to side hustles, whether it's because they love something and that's their happy place and they want to make that their livelihood or just they have an opportunity to help people. And if I can provide a tool that can help them, I'm pretty happy with with that as well. So um, I, I'm really excited about this. I think it's a, it's a good, good thing to bring to market. So. Excellent. All right. Well, good. 
Um, before we close, this has been really great talking to you today. I think, yeah, you know. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. Super fun. Yeah. Um, do you have a song for the Workbench playlist that you'd like us to include? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so it's embarrassing because I don't know if I'm going to say this woman's name right. Um, Joti. And the only reason why I don't know because everything's on Spotify now. <laughs> so I don't need her name pronounced enough, but it's no J-Y- radio announcer. <laughs> yeah, right? Like it's J Y O T I. Okay. And the song's Mama You Can Bet. And it's it it's just jazzy and funky and cool. And I I really I love this woman's music. I just discovered it in the last few months. And she's collaborated with a lot of famous artists, you know, anywhere from the jazz to hip hop space. This album, her album is, uh, is fantastic. It's also called Mama, You Can Bet. But um, I, I really, really enjoy it. And, but it, it sounds it's, great. I'm psyched for a new fantastic. song. Yeah, it, it's, a really new cool. artist. it's really soulful and awesome. So Great. Um, I will include that too. Some, yeah. Cool. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time today. I am so appreciative. And to everyone out there listening, I hope you are all doing well on this beautiful day. And until next time. This was such a fun conversation with so many great ideas and lessons to put to use. And we hope you're able to put some of this to work in your life. We can expand our definition of creativity. We can also let go of the habit of feeling guilt and spend some time getting to know the ebb and flow of our own energy. And if we can start recognizing when fear shows up, we can make it work for us as a source of energy. Momentum can build, and we can get more comfortable with trying things, failing, and trying again. So thanks again for listening, all. And until next time, I'm sending out love and light. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us today at the workbench. We welcome your comments and would love to hear what you're in the process of building. Look us up at ChristinaAu.com, that's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-A-U.com, and if you enjoyed this episode, you can help us with our build by subscribing, sharing, and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. We aim to stir the pot and inspire you for the next big thing you want to build or create. We look forward to seeing you next time.